In 1858, outside Boston, a bat and ball game was created, which came to be known as the Massachusetts game or town ball. It's not the New York game most people know, with a diamond field and three bases. Rather, in this game, there was only one out per inning. The infield was a square, and there wasn't even a foul territory. There were plenty of reasons why the New York game won out over the Massachusetts game as our national pastime. Most notably, the geometry of the New York game made it both aesthetically pleasing and playable. But the geometry of the Massachusetts game was awkward and off kilter. Many who have played both styles, however, recognize that there are some aspects of the 1858 game that make it preferable to the New York version. What if there was a game that had the geometric appeal and playability of the New York version and the unorthodox aspects of the popular Massachusetts game? 21st Century Town Ball is an attempt to be just that. With a couple tweaks added in 2012, like a physical strike zone, five total bases, stealing first base, and the ball always being live, the goal of 21st Century Town Ball has been, and always will be, to forestall the growing exodus from bat and ball. Let's bring people back to the game. Kermit, peg, Kermit, peg, 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 peg. Animal no find, Kermit. Animal lost. Oh, oh, there's Kirby coming out the bushes. Oh, he and he gets home. Yay! <laughs> Got him. And that's what happens when you have no out of bounds. Good job, Kermit. Hey, welcome back to the 21st Century Town Ball Podcast. I am your host, Grant Moore, and this episode is our first reappearance of a previous guest. Please give it up for Daniel Jones. Hey, lady, you call him Dr. Jones. My professional name. In our first episode with Jones, we learned about what it was like to shape Town Ball and how that process mirrored his own classroom teaching. But now we'll hear about what it means to preserve Town Ball. Across this episode, you will see the five points of the Town Ball Creed revealed. Freedom, strategy, teamwork, sportsmanship, and history. These aspects of human flourishing were identified in Fresno and solidified in Newburgh. These Chapter 2 episodes have been sequenced in a very intentional way. We began with Tristan and Lucian recounting the novelty of Town Ball at Veritas, and they tended to represent opposite sides of the debate on the scale of the game, how much it can grow given certain factors. Then we heard from all the George Fox town ball players. The Brent, Zach Ryland, and Ben, Ethan Kana episodes had more in common than not, but the noticeable difference between those conversations was the new player experience. And now, finally, at the end of the chapter, to synthesize and reconcile these conversations is Jones. Jones respectfully acknowledges any personal disagreements he has with any of the prior episodes, as well as the points where he does agree. The five points of the Town Ball Creed, particularly freedom and strategy, in a way are the logical result of where the Chapter 2 debates end up. What have your own Town Ball experiences been like? Which episode did you resonate with the most? And do you think the topics of game scalability 
and the new player experience were adequately addressed. Let us know through email or social media. But before you do that, listen to Jones put it all together. Well, hey, welcome back. Good to see you again. Jones, how you doing? I'm well, Grant. Thanks again. How are you? I am doing great. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good at the day of this recording. Yet another town ball game is on the calendar. So in, nice. in about two hours, I'll be playing again. And uh, we'll be getting some more locals in my county involved. So looking forward to that today. But today... We are here to kind of review slash conclude the second chapter of our episodes thus far, dealing more so with the Veritas slash Newberg timeline of Town Ball, which roughly speaking is 2018 until right now, or at least this right. summer before uh, you uh, move out to Idaho. So we, let's see, we talked to Tristan Rickert, who is a Veritas alum and who really enjoyed the more traditional historical aspect of town ball. And he's, he's one of our biggest fans and players. And then Lucian, another Veritas alum, uh, had a lot to say just about town ball's place as a game right now as a variant or a kind of parallel of modern day baseball, since he's a, he's a baseball fan and probably at least of the, Newberg slash Veritas guests, one of the more baseball inclined people. So he kind of came from that perspective. And then we talked to my college friends, Brent and Zach and Rylan. They had some similar things to say on that. But in addition, they had some unique comments on the very pro social nature of the game and how it really, in their opinion, works best when it's in a community context. Then that plays out in how you adjudicate aspects of the game and handle problem solving. And it's, it's almost therapeutic. Zach had some good comments about that. And then we talked to Ethan and Kana Witted and Ben Drury, and they had a lot of good things to say on the new player experience and what, you know, someone completely new to town ball, what the, what the impression is on them hopping onto the field and being thrown into the chaos to sum it all up, so far we've heard a lot about the culture of town ball and really the first location that was like a test location after the game had already been proven to be worked. Um, very much so, of course, under your influence as a teacher at Veritas, but then of course also with people I was able to introduce to the game in the last couple of years. So today I'd love to hear your perspective on the culture of the game in the last few years as it has happened in Newburgh and what you think that means for the game in the future. And by culture, I mean, similar to what, you know, Ethan and Ben and Kana and others have said about, we've had so many new players come out of the game in the last few years. So many, I, it's, it's hard to count them. So we, there's been a lot of starting from scratch, you know, catering to beginners, uh, playing with, of wide talent pool when the game expands in the future how has your time watching the game in veritas and newberg influenced your desires for how the game takes shape going forward that's a lot to unpack <laughs> good question grant let me think about this so <clears throat> I, I actually listened to uh, Kena and um, Ben and Ethan, their, their talk. I think they had some really, 
really good things to say about the new player experience. So can we start there? Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, the listeners who may not have heard, or just to remind, I think they're saying that the new player experience can be interesting in that a new player will come in not being aware of the fact that there are so few rules in town ball that they're probably going to be in a situation where they, as a runner or a batter, get out based on a rule that they had no idea that that was a rule or lack thereof, lack of a rule. And so I, I, uh, I love that. In fact, the way I see it, I see that as an almost beautiful tension, a necessary tension, I should say, between the new player and the game of town ball itself. It's kind of like someone's coming up to this game of town ball I've never seen before. And they're, they're, they're introduced to this new being called town ball, and they have no idea what to expect. And it's usually not what they expect. Like they expect it to be like, like other games. Like if you, if you think about other sports, just take tennis, for example. There's a very expected rhythmic behavior to the players. Player throws the ball up, serves the ball, other player hits the ball back, back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. There is some variations to that. Someone might dive once in a while. The player might run up to the net <laughs> um, or they might lob the ball and stuff like that. But there's a very expected behavior in tennis. And that's kind of people's general expectation of sports. Um, even something like soccer, if someone has the ball, Really, the three options are passing, shooting, or dribbling. And there is a lot more variation in, in soccer than there is in tennis, for sure, because you're playing a lot of players, a whole field, that kind of thing. You get to a sport like baseball, and there's a lot more variation. In fact, there's so much variation in baseball that the, the creators of baseball made so many rules to prevent those variations because they wanted a certain behavior to take place. Player pitches ball, player hits ball, players run to bases. Very predictable. And in fact, that's exactly what I don't like. What I personally don't like about town ball. I'm sorry about about baseball. It's it's a little too pretty predictable for me. Town ball is not like that, um, as you know very well, Grant. Um, and you mentioned it in some some of your other episodes. One of the things you like about town ball, it, it almost lends itself to trying out things that have never been tried before. For example, you mentioned the fact that you like to stand away from the the, the zone, and then the last minute you come and hit the ball. I do those things all the time. You guys have heard this a million times now, right? The game is so flexible. That you just have no idea what's going to happen next. Now, in my opinion, that is the definition of freedom, liberty, freedom. My definition or understanding of freedom is that you have certain rules that are very absolute, whatever they might be. Uh, with the founding of our nation, all men are created equal. It's an absolute, right? But besides those really rigid rules, like this is how you're going to behave in society, you're not going to kill someone right? Those kinds of things. Besides that, you have no idea what people are going to do because they have freedom. Um, the expectation behavior is whatever that person decides it to be. I think town ball is the same way. And I think in my, this is just my opinion, Grant, because people have different opinions about, about this whole aspect. But in my opinion, a new player will come to town ball not expecting that kind of freedom. They're expecting people to behave a certain way and it doesn't happen. And then they fall on the, the, the tail end of that. So I, I call that a little bit of a tension between the new player and town ball. They get to know town ball, like, oh, do we even like this game? There's a lot of freedom here. They might not like that. We talked about whether or not that's a good thing uh, for new players, like their first impression of town ball, like, hey, I just got out. I don't like this game, right? Uh, on the flip side, a player that's been playing for maybe one or two games might pull one of those tricks on a new player. I would personally have a hard time telling that player, like, oh, yeah, you have freedom, but in this case, you don't have freedom because that player is new or because that player is whatever. 
So I think it's just it's just it's just a ne- necessary tension that takes place between new player and Tambo because Tambo is for, the, for those of you guys who haven't played yet, it's a game of freedom, which means watch out because you can get out in ways that you never expected before. I, I just wanted to say that in response. Yeah, I, one of the one-word phrases that's come to mind for me recently about what Tambo is is Tambo is liberating, in the sense that it's liberating from what you're used to. You're used to more structure in other games, and this has less fetters, if you will. Right. It's liberating right. in the sense that the rules literally allow you to finesse a lot of different things that are kind of sneaky. It's also liberating in the sense that it allows a, lo- a wide talent spectrum to have equal value across the entire duration of the game. Yes, and that's a beautiful aspect of the game. As you guys already mentioned, I mean, right now I'm thinking about recruiting some players for my team. And I'm not thinking about necessarily taking the best players, but at this point, thinking about the right players. And because and to make my full team of 13, I got to have the right combination of runners, bunters, hitters, fuelers, pitchers to make this work for a tournament of six games. And so, yeah, if you have a certain skill just running, you're going to be very valuable in town ball or whatever else that skill might be. Yeah. So thanks for that elaboration on the aspect of liberty in, encompassed into the game. How have you seen that aspect of the game thrive, particularly in the last five years while you've been in Oregon? That's a good question. When I first moved here to Newburgh, um, you know, I started Town Ball right away. I think Chuck still told a story about how there were um, just four players. And we, we played Town Ball. It was particularly popular among seventh graders. Seventh graders love to break rules or to make rules or to find out what they can get away with. They just love that tell you a real quick story that um, I think goes along with this theme anyway. So we were playing with seventh graders the first year I was here. Um, Brian Lynch, our headmaster, was was playing town ball with us. And uh, Peter Veeman just got a, a quadruple or something, gave me all the way to fourth. And the ball happened to be falling apart a little bit, right? So uh, Mr. Lynch, who was fielding, he was on my team, <laughs> he picked up the ball and said, whoa, Peter, look at this ball. Come here, look at this ball. The string's coming out of it. Peter stepped off the base. Mr. Lynch handed the ball and said, you're out. <laughs> And it was just so funny because they're so the, the seventh graders are so trusting of their administrators, and here an administrator totally deceived one of the players to get him out. Again, another example of that new player experience. But my point in bringing it up is that it was really popular with the seventh graders. The seventh graders loved that. They loved the fact that they could be an equal playing field with the administrator. Like, wow, I can actually lie to my, my to, to the principal, or I, I can not trust my principal, those kinds of things. Um, so it was really popular among the seventh graders. And I think one of the board members came to me once and said, you know what, it seems like Tomball has created a little bit of a buzz here in, in the neighborhood because everyone seemed to be talking about Tomball when we first started. It has that kind of a magnetic feel to the game where you play Tomball, you get attracted to Tomball, you want to talk about Tomball, and suddenly there's a buzz around the game. So I think culturally that definitely happened here. Tomball is very popular. It, it's ever increasingly popular among the young students. Um, so even if, if older students have to go do other things like to graduate, that kind of thing, it seems like we always have a, a lot of players among the seventh graders that, that want to play. I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it's definitely been a cultural thing, like has been said by some of your viewers before, some of your interviewees before, for Tamil to be a part of the culture at the school here at Veritas. Is it possible to have too much freedom in town ball? Not in my opinion. I could probably speak for a lot of people that they've had experiences in their lives where freedom is usually restricted too much in their society, not the other way around. That's my opinion. Some people might argue with that. 
I think you can't have enough freedom in town ball, except for the rules. You got to have certain rules, like you can't like score two points for a run or something like that. So as far as the rules are steadfast, again, this comes back to what Brad said, right? Um, and where town ball came out of, it came out of debate style mathematics. There are certain axioms in geometry that we're debating and coming to consensus on. Once you have your axioms, those become the law. You can't debate with the, can't debate those anymore. But anything else is fair game. So it's the same thing with mathematics and thinking about mathematics that way where mathematics really is an exercise of freedom because once you find out what the law is, perfect law brings freedom because you know what you can't do, anything else is fair game. Yeah, it seems like two opposing ideas, but they actually complement each other. The definition of chaos you know, is a lack of order and what most people might think of as freeing, especially if you're younger, you know, and you're, and you're not mature yet is, oh, well, that means I get to do whatever I want. That's actually not a very freeing existence. And what's funny about town ball is I think it teaches you freedom right at the border of the order and the chaos of the game. Not to sound too much like Jordan Peterson there. <laughs> that's, a, that's an analogy he uses quite a lot. Um, that was kind of accidental. But in my experience, town ball has seemed to very much have been that. Zach Buckles made a really interesting comment um, on his episode with me. He is just now finishing his doctorate of psychology. Um, he's been in a five-year program. He's finally about to actually work in clinical psychology when he moves back to the Portland area later this year. Something he said is like, if I put my therapist hat on for a second, if someone's coming to me and they're talking about how they're struggling to have organization and discipline in their life, playing town ball could help them with that because it would require them to be very hyper aware of all of the rules, the loopholes, the edge cases, and what in fact is the right way to play the game. And he also said that actually is the same thing I would say, go play town ball to someone who's dealing with the opposite issue. Someone who uh, perhaps is too fettered down, too restricted, too by the book, and just needs to let go. And town ball can be that kind of an outlet for them as well. But what do you think about that comment? I, I think it's kind of beautiful. That's exactly how I see it too. And I definitely come from the other end where I was in an environment where that's too restricting. And so I was looking for what are the actual rules of life, which kind of pushed me to mathematics. What are the rules of mathematics? I want to know what the rules are so I can know what I'm, what I can do. Um, because I think perfect law brings freedom. I think the book James mentions that the law of freedom, the law of liberty. And I think it's, it's for that very reason is that once you know exactly what you can't do, everything else is fair game for a reason, because, you know, that kind of freedom is what we're ma made to be. We're made to be free, not made to be slaves. How much does the success of Town Ball depend on that kind of philosophy? Part of the reason why I'm asking that question is we're going to get a lot more new players down the road as the years go by. Will there always need to be an individual or a small group of individuals helping to set that tone through that way of thinking in order to preserve that aspect of the game? Or is the game inbred with that philosophy down to the very nuts and bolts of the design that we may not have to worry about that as much? That's a good question. I think, I think they're both true. If you look at some of the early writings of baseball, they describe it the way that we talk about town ball. And because the game was different, this is before baseball 
as we know it was invented, it was referred to as town ball, two words, slightly different than what we play now, but very similar. They called it the very, I think they said the very ridiculous nature of the games, what we liked about it. The fact that they had no idea what was going to happen next. The exact same phrasing that we're using today about town ball is how they described town ball, two words um, back in the 19th century. I don't have the quotes in front of me, but those are the things they were saying. But you see what happened. Um, that game got put aside. All those versions of baseball got put aside in favor of a, of a version of baseball that, in our opinion, contrary to what Lucian, Lucian probably say, um, is a game that's exceedingly restricting. Some people like restriction. They like that kind of game. That's, that's fine. I don't. I like a game that's a lot more free, like town ball. So your, your question about you know, whether or not that needs to be maintained, I think the answer is yes. You do have to have people to maintain it. But I also think that if we can have a level level of critical mass about this game to where it grows to a point where there's a lot of people playing it. I think we will have done it enough to where it won't disappear. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so too. I just can't answer where and when that tipping point would occur. And in terms of numbers or time, I, I can't say that, but if, and when we do hit that, I, I do believe that that is very possible. On this on this same thread, would you mind just speaking to how that liberty and freedom aspect of town ball and that integration of the order and the freedom and all those things? Could you just speak briefly on how much you think that can fill a need for those things in Western culture more broadly? Does town right. ball fill a telos in that sense? Beyond the telos of baseball, the telos of the human being. This is my opinion on that. I think, I think bat and ball, in general, is supposed to meet that need in society in one aspect. Because I don't think there's any other sport out there that has more possibility of variation than the bat and ball game. I mean, there's a reason why the second most played sport in the world is cricket. There's so many things that could happen. Cricket unfortunately, in my opinion, limits the variation because you run back and forth and back and forth, only has two bases, which is cool, but people still love the game because there's so many things that could happen. I think bat and ball is intended to meet that need of absolute freedom with an absolute law. It's just unfortunate that the two games that we play, cricket and baseball, have certain limitations built into the game that don't allow us to experience it to its telos. And I think town ball lends itself to provide that. That's why I'm so passionate about this game is because I want people who love bat and ball sports like myself to at least have a chance to experience what bat and ball game can be. It's not just, hey, let's just play this great game. I want them to know the fullness of what bat and ball game can feel like by playing town ball. And that, to me, is a way more big picture foundational lens to be looking through that. Do you think that most people even approach sports or play in general with that mindset? And like, if they don't, why? I think subconsciously they do because everyone does things for a reason, right? You know, we play sports for exercise. We also play sports for other reasons. There's the community aspect. There's the competition aspect. Centuries ago, people were trained to be, you know, in the, in, in the military, and that's what people would do. They would go beef themselves up to go to be in the military. Nowadays, they do it to, to play sports. I, play, I think sports provides the level of competition that is inherently exists in war. 
but in a way that we don't have to kill each other to do so. We can actually have fun and be friends even after the game. So I, I think there is um, subconsciously within every human being the need to do those things. And I think when people play basketball, I love the game of basketball, I play basketball. It meets a certain need. When we play soccer, it meets a slightly different need, but a similar need. So I think subconsciously people do have those needs even to understand order and law and freedom within sports. And all sports can provide those things. Again, I think town ball is a way to express it to a higher level, kind of like sports on steroids, so to speak, where the thinking aspect of town ball, like you, like you just mentioned, if you want to play town ball really well, your, your mental engagement has to be at a very high level in order to play at a very high level. And that's what I love about town ball. Again, a very low floor and a very high ceiling. Think about the captain. You know, I'm a captain of a team, but a captain of town ball, their mind is so busy because there's so many variables, so many things they have to think about. It's a manager's dream just to be able to do those things, to manage their team, to lead their team, hopefully to victory because they're thinking through this huge chess game. Because honestly, if you want to win a game of town ball, you got to be thinking. You can't just play. Was it easier to explicitly talk and view this way about town ball since you've been at Veritas, which is an educational institution that tends to view all aspects of life in this way? That's a good question. I'd have to explain it this way. Before I came to Veritas, I was already thinking this way about town ball and about life in general. After I came to Veritas, I, I was affirmed in what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, there are other people that think this way. I'm actually in a community where everybody's thinking this way. We're actually supposed to teach people these things, like, like the students and everything. So I think, I think Veritas for me was more like an affirmation of five years of being in a, in a culture where what I was already doing was affirmed and appreciated, both in mathematics, but especially in town ball, to the point where I could thrive even more. People like Tristan have been extraordinarily supportive. I mean, he, he was, a, I think it was a sophomore or freshman when I, when I came. I had him um, as a student. I can't remember which was what, for the first year, but when he played town ball, he was very supportive of what I did because he saw it, like, like others have said, it just went along so well with what we were doing in the classical renewal. Therefore, do you think that out of all the options out there for a school or any kind of an institution is maybe looking to adopt into their program and they're really wanting to pick something that in its own DNA is, is a activity that promotes looking at life in these ways. Do you think town ball uniquely is maybe a, a game of choice for schools like Veritas in America and around the world? I think town ball is the game of choice for any school not just for classical schools, but I think the classical school movement will probably pick up on it quicker uh, because it's, it's in tandem with what they already do. Also, another reason why it's, it's good for, for a class, it's a good match for classical education is because that, that really is the spirit of classical education. You take something that was done before, take what Aristotle said, you know, take what Socrates said, take what Euclid said, take what these people have done before, Take what Newton is. That's what Newton, Isaac Newton did. That's why calculus was invented, right? Because he took what was done before him. And he said, wait a minute, we need to apply it to this. How can we reassemble mathematics to make it more applicable to something else? And I think what we're doing with town ball is exactly that. It very much fits with the classical um, mindset in that we take something of old and use it for the context of what's needed in the present. Yeah, and I mean, the, the town ball itself is a product of... I mean, you. I don't think this is a stretch to say this, but I think you could say it is a product of the liberal arts. You're mixing math, history, and persuasive communication. 
with the, you know that debate style aspect. So in a way, to have another order and chaos parallel, it's kind of straddling the fence between humanities and the sciences too. Um, I think a lot of people don't know about the scientific aspect um, right off the bat. No, <laughs> no pun intended. But um, that's another aspect I've thought about too that is in its own workings. Um, and I think you could make that argument about a, a lot of different sports. I, you know, I, I'm not trying to make town ball sound like it's the only option or the only sport out there that combines these things in this particular way. You know, I think all sports do that to some aspect, but I think with the, dif- the difference with town ball is its origin story. It, I think that's the difference. I think it's how it was made, where it came from and how it was done. It, it did the integrating of these humanities and science aspects, the rules and the freedom. It did so very explicitly and deliberately and in a very iterative process that everyone was a part of in real time and pretty quickly if you compare it to how long other sports have developed. So I, I, I think that is the value proposition. That's the distinctive I, it is how it came together. If, if that can be said, would you say do you agree with that? I do. I think that's exactly right. One thing I think would be interesting to hear you comment on Jones is uh, something Lucian in particular talked about, which was the the scalability of the game in more intense professional aspects. What were your thoughts on some of his commentary and the commentary of others on that side of the issue? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. I I really, really appreciated your discussion with Lucian because I think even though we don't necessarily need to compare town ball with baseball that much, I think it will be compared with town with baseball. And so I think having that discussion now is, is really, really important. Um, I definitely respectively disagree with Lucian on a few points. Is it okay if I address, address those right now? Yeah, sure. Okay. I think I'll disagree for reasons that Lucian will understand. So let me just talk about Lucian real quick. Lucian is one of the brightest and probably the most motivated students I've ever had as far as his ability to push something through whatever needs to happen in order to make it happen. He pushes himself. He's become an exceedingly good baseball player, for example. Um, his final Poesis project at Veritas, even though I didn't watch it, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. So if, if something needs to get done, Lucian will get it done. And I bring that up for a few reasons. First of all, Having Lucian play for the Quakers last year, although it was good for our team, <laughs> I think it opened the eyes, opened people's eyes to the fact that the level of play that we're playing in town ball right now really must not be that high. Because as you as you know, and as Chuck pointed out with the stats, he didn't give up a single run every time he was pitching. He only pitched for two games out of our eight because he had he couldn't be with us very long. It almost got to the point where it wasn't even town ball wasn't even fun because he was just zoning people left and right. I think we all felt that and we all knew that. So in, in Lucian's comments, he's he's talking from his point of view as a player. You have to understand that what he's saying is that hey, look, if we're playing at this level, I don't want to be playing a game where I can just zone everybody out every single time. And nobody would want to do that. The game would just kind of be, be really boring, more boring than baseball, perhaps. However, what what needs to be said because he mentioned the fact that the baseball distance is sixty feet six inches and town ball is only fifty two feet. However, in baseball, you pitch from your back foot on the rubber. So you're actually stepping forward on average as a major league pitcher, five and a half feet. Whereas in town ball, you have to pitch from behind the line. 
So if you do the math and do all the calculations, do all the estimating, a major league pitcher probably strides about five and a half feet on average, which means that a major league pitcher playing town ball, he's pitching only three feet closer in town ball than he would be in baseball. Only three feet, not eight and a half feet like what was mentioned by Lucian. Does that, does that make sense, Grant? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now, again, that is still closer. That's still three feet closer. So in town ball, you're pitching three feet closer than baseball. But another fact you have to keep in mind is that the town ball pitcher is pitching from flat ground, whereas in baseball, at least in the pros, are pitching from a mound, which does make a difference. I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but it does make a difference. But even that aside, you could make the opposite case. <laughs> Opposite argument, if you're playing at the major league level with good pitchers, you're also going to be having some really good, not just batters, but bunters. You could make the case that town ball could go the other extreme, where it becomes so easy to score, like in cricket. Because baseball and cricket have gone opposite directions. In baseball, the defense is too strong. In cricket, the offense is too strong. I mean, cricket games can last for days um, if there aren't any restrictions, because the batter can just keep hitting and hitting and hitting. The pitchers get tired, and it's just like the game just goes on and on and on, right? In baseball, it, it even though it takes a long time because you know it's just it's just a slow game, the the pitchers kind of dominate in a sense, and scoring is low, which some people say is the beauty of the game. That's fine, but you you could argue that town ball might go the opposite direction, where it's so easy to get on base and so hard to get people out that it might actually score too quickly. Because if you think about it, you only have to run forty two feet just to get on base, and you just have to put the bat on the ball. You don't even have to put it in fair territory. You just bunt it over there, and even if someone's throwing hundred miles an hour. It's actually not hard to bunt a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. It's not. Major League batters consider a bunt to be given that at least you can put the ball on the ground to move a runner over. It's called a sacrifice bunt for a reason because you're going to sacrifice. It's expected that you're going to get a bunt on the ground. So in town ball, that translates to you're probably going to get a really high chance of getting on base even if they're throwing 100 miles an hour. So I guess my my overall message about uh, the playability of ball in the major league level, Lucian might be right. We don't know. I might be right. We don't know. The only way we're going to know is when we see major league players, if it even gets that far, even if we want it to get that far, we don't know. Until it happens, we don't actually know. So I just want to be careful to our listeners not to write town ball off too quickly because Lucian's very absolute words. Like he said, this absolutely will not work as a professional level for these reasons. He might be right. He might be wrong. We don't know. And I think... The one thing I do want to say about town ball is that we have seen it be, it's, it's what's interesting about it. If you look at, you know, how fractals work, we, we play town ball at the high school level. The game takes about maybe two hours to play, maybe a little bit less. We play at the middle school level. Game takes about two hours to play, maybe a little bit less. We play at the elementary school level, about the same. We play at the adult level, about the same. It seems like the game is so well balanced. And Tommy has spoken to this before. The game seems to be so well balanced that it doesn't matter what level of play you're playing at. It just has a way of working itself out because the offense has a ton of advantages. Okay. The offense has a ton of advantages, as I mentioned. The defense also has a ton of advantages, right? And so if you look at those advantages and put them together, it seems like they balance out no matter what level of play you're, you're at. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that makes sense. I think that's a good further commentary and, and response, that dialogue on the aspects of our game in comparison to people who are coming from other bat and ball perspectives, whether that be baseball or cricket. I am very excited to particularly in the next several months to see how things go with the locals in my County who will play. Um, I've got, like I said, got a game probably in an hour from this phone call. Um, it'll, it'll date the episode, but, um, 
it's been just so nice, personally speaking here for a second, so nice to experience Town Ball as a almost exclusively community activity and to just start it from scratch with people who live in town. And I love seeing the joy on their faces when they play and they encounter what exactly what you talked about, that freedom aspect, that liberating aspect of the game. They're, they're so used to coming from, you know, other games like baseball or cricket or what have you, where there's a slightly more rigid aspect. And as soon as they realize that they don't have to do that anymore, they get excited. You can see it on their face. They almost feel like they're getting into trouble. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward um, to that as we continue here. But Jones, thank you for tying some loose ends on the feedback and the input and the insights from the most more recent guests in that second chapter, if you will, of, of the podcast, focusing on those among several others who we could have, you know, we don't have all the time in the world to interview everyone, but the people who have been the most involved or the closest still involved with the game from that time in Newburgh at Veritas School. And we're excited to see what happens in the future simultaneously where I am in Michigan and then where you, you will be in Idaho. So we'll look forward to maybe having you on again in the future to talk more on the business side of town ball and all that goes into that, which is quite a process. We've had so much trial and error with that for years, you more than me, but it's felt like a while (laughs) since I came on board a few years ago, but more about that later. Thank you, Jones. We'll talk to you later. Okay. My pleasure, Ben. Good luck today. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the 21st Century Town Ball Podcast. If you want to learn more about the sport, you can visit our website at 21ctownball.com or look at our content on Instagram under the page at 21ctownball. If you're interested in playing the game or creating your own townball team, you can DM us on social media or email us directly at 21ctownball at gmail.com and we would be happy to start a conversation with you. I'm your host, Grant Moore, and this is the 21st Century Town Ball Podcast. Is there a ball in your town?